Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Early Education Show. I, we're here with episode 101. I'm Liam. I'm Lisa. And I'm Leanne. So it broke my brain a bit saying 101. It just seems very odd. I would not have thought this is the 101st episode we were doing, but... But based on it's the, exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. It feels a bit like, I don't know, like a new season or something. This is like the season premiere yeah. of season two. I don't know. <laughs> Happy birthday to us. <laughs> um, so uh, we're, we, we're recording this uh, pretty soon after our first uh, live, uh, well, sorry, I should say our second live episode, but our first one recorded with ELAA and their uh, Early Childhood Education uh, Conference, which is obviously episode uh, 100. So we want to start with a big um, thank you to, to ELAA and all the people who came along it was a really wonderful uh we, i think we had a great deal of fun but it was really engaged and um, i think interested audience and and it was pretty special i guess recording it the day before the election um which I, I guess is the segue to the topic for tonight which is the result was probably not what we were expecting um so i guess we'll, we'll be talking after a little bit of housekeeping at the start about why uh you know what does the what does the election result mean for early education but um are you sure we're going to talk about that could we just go on to something more interesting more happier you know we could talk about eurovision even Oh my God! Did oh, you hear that? That's a great idea. Did you hear that, oh Leanne? Oh my goodness! Oh, this is a whole podcast on Eurovision. Let's what, do it, Liam. What does the Eurovision <laughs> result mean for early education? That's a very easy title change on the on the software <laughs> I've got here. Now, look, there were some funny um, entries, though, weren't there? Anyway, we won't go down that path. Very there odd some ones. Great ones. But um, look, unfortunately, we probably do have to tackle this topic. It's a big, it's a pretty big one, and it probably mm. you know probably forms a nice little two parter with episode one hundred. We sort of episode one hundred was about what the campaign meant for the sector, and I guess this is about what the result means for the sector but um but seg i'm i'm doing this in a very circuitous way but yes we it was really great to to think spend that hour with um the 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 audience in melbourne and thanks to everyone who was there if you haven't had a chance to listen it was a good it was a fun episode i think i i i listened back to it as i was editing it and putting it out um go back and listen to to episode 100 um but uh, a couple of uh, quick things uh, before we then get on to the to the main topic of tonight uh one of the things i think we we wanted to uh, let people know is that we've we're going to be having a little bit of change in how we put out the show uh we've been so episode and i guess the the episode 100 felt like a good um sort of point in time for us to go you know kind of we've done 100 episodes that kind of feels almost. so do we get time off for good behavior liam i think we do so i think we're going to say it feels like you know we've we've kind of we've put in quite a bit of quite a bit of time and energy and effort in those first 100 episodes to get out a weekly podcast we have i think made the decision as as a as a collective we we're going to be changing that slightly so from 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 this episode forward we'll be moving to a fortnightly schedule so a new episode will come out every two weeks um look it, it may be that no one's particularly disappointed by that but 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 if you are um, I guess you know we can only sort of beg your your for your forgiveness. We we do love doing the show, and it's it's honestly one of the highlights of my week is getting to chat to you two. But uh, it is uh, quite quite uh, intensive Aww. in terms of the time we have to devote to recording and then producing and putting it out, and even just preparing and coming up with ideas. So I think at least for the foreseeable future, it may change down 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 the road. But uh, as of this episode, um, this will be you know be coming out obviously on Friday, and then it'll be uh, two Fridays time before the next episode so we hope you will still you know a good back catalogue to get there so this may be good for if you're a new listener you can go back and listen to some of those old episodes um do you know what i needed to know something i can't remember what it was but i knew that the only place or the easiest place for me to find it 
would be by reading the show notes through back episodes. So it actually <laughs> works as a filing cabinet. That's a for us. great resource. <laughs> nice little library of uh, links and, and various information. I use it for when was I having that discussion with someone? And I roughly remembered what episode I was editing at the time. So then I go back and go, oh, that's right. It was, it was around about then. Um, so yeah, so that, that will be the, the new, the new, uh, the new normal going forward. But as I said, we may sort of review that later on. We really thank everyone who continues to listen and continues to sort of keep this little community of this, uh, this crazy little show. Uh, continuing to go um but we one of the other things we thought was obviously we've this we you know 100 episodes is a lot of topics and a lot of interviews and a lot of guests to cover um we do want to moving forward as well is is sort of bring bring the listeners in a bit more and particularly we we actually want to use your knowledge and your skills and your contacts so we now have a section on our website where you can pitch us an idea for an episode it might be a topic it might be a particular project someone's working on it might be some research you're working on it might be something amazing you're doing in your service for children and families so we have a section on the website now where you can basically pitch us an idea for an episode so if you head to early education show com. We've got a few guidelines there about uh, you know what can and can't be submitted, but we'd love to hear from you if you've got a particular uh, you know, an amazing thing happening in the sector that we wouldn't otherwise maybe have heard of. But, uh, you know, that's a great way to, and to, to I guess, you know, to become involved in the show as well. Um, I do my best to try and keep up with the emails that come through. Again, it's something I have to do in my spare time, obviously, but um, I'll try and make sure I respond to all, all pitches and requests. But, you know, we'd love to hear uh, some ideas on, we've, yeah, we've got, you know, at least, you know, we've, we've We've potentially got another 100 of these to do until we get to 200, so we're going to need some ideas at some point. Eventually, we're going to run dry creatively, I assume, if not, if not already. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. um, so, yes, so please get into uh, and There's a little link up there that says uh, pitch us an idea. But um, I think it's housekeeping out of the way. We will then move on to the main topic. So... After an election campaign that almost everyone tipped would end with a uh, with it would end with a Bill Shorten and Labor victory, we are unexpectedly now beginning a three year term with Scott Morrison as the Prime Minister of a returned coalition government. Uh, in the campaign, Labor had promised a lot of early education policies. Uh, the coalition promised almost nothing except basically more of the same. And we should say that's not just for early education. It's very hard to determine what their policies will be uh, on anything. So, Lisa, I might go to you. What does three more years of a Morrison-led coalition government mean for the sector? Sadness. Um, <laughs> you're not allowed to answer fleeting. in. No, you're not allowed to okay. answer in dark poetry, Lisa. You have to give us a proper answer. I've actually got to put words together and come up with it. Unfortunately, Look, I think yes. you've, you've pretty much summarised it. Um, at the moment, we're hearing that Dan the Man will still be the minister again. Now. He's never seemed to me to be that particularly interested in early education. He kind of is happy to issue a press release or 10 when um, there's a new rot alert. But apart from that, it, I don't think it's really where his heart is. I'm not sure where his he heart knows, is. But... Do you think he knows enough about it? Uh, no, but he has been the minister for, what, how long? Any like idea? Ten months or something. That's like yeah, five years in, in modern. If you haven't times. kind of cottoned on to the topic by then, then there's a problem. Um, what else does it mean? It means I think that I doubt very much if there will be any change to the childcare subsidy system. I think it'll just yeah. They think they've done that. It's over. Um, so it'll pretty much run the same it is. I think they will try and change the 
preschool funding um, situation, not necessarily um, to extend it for a long period of time. It was something came out, I think, the day of before the election where it became fairly obvious that the Morrison government would, if they were elected as they were, um, continue to view preschool education as a state responsibility, not as a responsibility of theirs. So they see their funding of preschool education as just a, a, a contribution and they want to see a better um, value for their contribution. So they want to ensure that the money is going equally to long daycare as it is to dedicated preschools. They want to see they've got their this bee in their bonnet about attendance, so they want to see that they're actually funding something that's being used by families, and I think they want to see some better data from the states. Um, it means no pay rises because they re, uh, the Morrison government believes that that is you know something between employer and employee. Um, and it probably means, I think, primarily that we won't be the focus of attention. You know, we'll go back to being something that they've done um, that they don't need to do much more. The only thing that could change that is if there's, you know, a push from parents or if there's more complaints about, um, the cost of childcare, as they call it. Um, and I think that if there is, they're more likely to deal with it by upping the cap rate or upping the percentage rather than um, making any more comprehensive change. I do think that um, possibly... Uh, Having achieved a second, yeah, or a third term of government, um, but a second with Scott Morrison, you know, at the helm, I think he will give in a bit more to the right wing of the party. And so I think that we'll see more um, funding for stay at home mothers, um, which may impact on enrolment rates. And I think we'll just see a, a generally a bit of a, a shift to some confused policy as he tries to, you know, do the, uh, you know, uh, increase women's participation in the labour force at the same time as keep those parts of his um, party that think that women should be at home and pregnant and in the kitchen happy. So they're going to run small businesses at home, yeah. May, may contribute to the economy and care and educate young children as well at the same time. Yeah, taking multitasking to whole new levels. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, but mothers are amazing, obviously. So obviously, maybe that's mm. going to be. And I think that was the pretty much the the big pitch of Scott Morrison at the at the Liberal Party launch, wasn't it? Wasn't it? How great, how great, how great are mums? Maybe that was maybe mm. that was the maybe that was the yes. policy announcement that we're going to move. <laughs> and, and in his acceptance speech, it was how great are Australians? 
Exactly. So everybody's great. How great is We're Australia? We're making Australia great. How great is the early education show? We should just put that at the start. Just go, how great, how great, <laughs> yeah. how great are we all? Well, exactly. so I think we should um, do a bit of scene setting here. So I think we should be clear about, so I, look, I, I think all, you know, all three of us were sort of texting a bit on Saturday night. We were all disappointed with the result. I think we should be clear that it's not about that we're, uh, you know, we're rah-rah for a Labor Bill Shorten victory. I think this is about for advocates. You know, we did have, as I sort of said in the intro, we had one party, whether you agree with every one of their policies, and I certainly don't, but they were going to the election with some pretty good early education policies. Now, um, it's been interesting in some of the online discussions, and we talked about a bit about this in episode 100, is that there's this very sort of, you know, Labor versus Liberal thing, and, and, and each of us, I think, at different points in time are being accused of just kind of being, you know, Labor, um, you know, advocates or supporters. That, that I think, uh, I, I hesitate to speak for all three of us, but, you know, for, certainly for me, it's about the policies that are being proposed and that in Australia, one of these two major parties is the ones that will form government. So when I say I think we were disappointed by the result, that's not about saying that we were um, disappointed about Bill Shorten not being Prime Minister, but that the policies being uh, being promoted weren't going to um, be be made law. So I guess, Leanne, I want to turn to you now. So for, for advocates, for people who were really advocating strongly for these for these policies and who were sort of uh, led to believe that you know, a Labor victory was the most likely option, what, what do you do after a defeat like this? Uh, well, I'm going to go big picture on this, which I think I've always um, think I'll do. But um, I think it's um, there's time to sort of dust yourself off after something like this because it is disappointing. And as you say, that was the policy that we were um, hoping for. As we said in one of our, I think, an episode before the last one, it wasn't the complete policy, but it certainly was a policy that we felt was heading in the right direction. And and it's disappointing and it's hard to take. And I think there's, there is so much disappointment. So I in looking at big stuff, I think, first of all, you've got to sort of dust yourself off and, and find your friends and just be be uh, talking to the people that you really feel aligned with on the agenda for a little while, just so that you don't have to, <laughs> so you don't have to argue your position, because that's what you always feel like you, you are trying to do in an adversarial way. But then I also think for advocates to sort of draw from bigger, bigger stories than us, and uh, I, I went to Nelson Mandela because I do like to go to him. Why not? Let's go to the <laughs> let's go to the big guys. And I've got two quotes for you, which I think will bolster advocates. One is, "I am fundamentally an optimist. Whether that comes from nature or nurture, I cannot say. Part of being optimistic is keeping one's head pointed toward the sun, one's feet moving forward." And I just think that's a beautiful quote. The other one is, "Education is the most powerful weapon you can you can use to change the world." So I think. You know, thinking, keeping sort of focused and and heading in the right direction. And I think in terms of um, the Morrison government, we know what it's like to work with this government. As Lisa said, you know, we, we she can pretty much say what to expect because we understand that environment that we're working in and whether that's reassuring or not, at least we know. But the other thing is, think about the ideology. We're not going to change the Liberal Party ideology it's not going to happen. So I think the more that people can learn about the ideology that we're working within would be a really great idea. And to just be smarter, be smarter than than um, anybody in the Liberal Party, which right now I'm thinking it's not too hard. And, um, 
And just as a, as a small action, I think it's good after things like this just to take an action. So I always like to write a letter to a politician. I've dashed one off to my local member, Craig Kelly, today um, about early childhood education and climate change. And so I would advise everybody, get in there, write your handwritten letter, even if it's one page. First of all, congratulating them on their success and then bringing early childhood education and whatever else your issue is to their attention. I got a, um, a someone told me today um, on social media that she, um, I'll just read down to you. She said, hi, Lisa. Yesterday, my early childhood colleagues and I renewed our commitment to teaching young children critical thinking skills and the rights and responsibilities of citizenship. Whenever anyone asks me what I do for a living, I say I teach humans how to be citizens. Oh, isn't that wonderful? That's what it's about. Yeah. It's about citizenship and civil society, isn't it? That's what yeah. And that's the early years learning framework. Changed. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and that hasn't changed since Saturday night. You know, it's... It, the need I, for it certainly intensified. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. And I don't think that we can think that, that a different government would have been, you know, 100% on side because with all of the things that we would like to happen. But what a wonderful, what a wonderful way of thinking. Congratulations to whoever that was. Jane Carr. Oh, well, Good I don't on you, know Jane. who she is. She's a legend. But I like, I like her Twitter um, uh, handle. It's catnip evergreen. All oh, right. So we all need to follow Jane Carr. Yeah. <laughs> 73. <laughs> I think she's a, I think she's a, if not a regular, sometimes listener to the show. So if you're listening, Jane, well done. That's, that's one of the, I can't think of anything better you could do as an advocate than go back and um, do that work directly with children. I think the only thing I would add, and they're all wonderful points there. And I think you're entirely right. It's very easy to, and I think back to when the jobs for families package were passed and I, I was kind of surprised how much that affected me. Um, and I think one of the challenges of, of particularly when you uh, maybe start uh, engaging in advocacy and start thinking about how you'll be an advocate and getting involved in, in politics and policy is that the more you understand, the more you know, I think the more sort of um, crushing it is when there are these big losses because you understand so much more about the system and you understand that, you know, this is, you know, it's going to be three years before we, you know, um, before we you know look at a change of government and we look at, um, and one of the big challenges I think of this result is that it's possible that the lesson uh, Labor will take from it is to not and not not go to an election with policies like these. They may think they were too too big, and I think that would be a big shame. But um, I'm you know tangenting my own uh, my own comment here. But one of the things I think is important to remember is that you know you also need to um, make sure you're t- you're you're not getting too um, you're not catastrophizing things too much. So yes, it's you know, this is not the you know that the, the current government does not have early education policies. Um, I, I like or admire. We can at least say they haven't. They haven't gone to the election with a promise to, you know, dramatically cut more access than they already have, which is, you know, not a positive, but at least we, well, at least we, we don't think there's probably anything too nasty on the horizon. And going back to say, well, Listen, who knows? We've got a bad track record. We do, like we that. do. But do you know what? With the with the with the jobs for families package. That was that was known. So they went to an election with that. We knew that was coming. The fight was about something we knew was going to happen, and it, and it was implemented exactly uh, as it was planned to do. Um, the same with you know back thinking back to twenty thirteen when the you know they never came out and said it, but it was fairly clear that the government, uh, the opposition at the time, so the coalition government when Labor was in power, didn't like the national quality framework and would work to try and take it back. Now they did 
try, not very hard, and it turns out, and, and once they sort of, as Leanne mentioned in episode 100, once they kind of realised it was legislation, which I'm not sure how they didn't realise that beforehand, but then they kind of backed off and the NQF is fairly safe. So one of the things I think, particularly, um, and uh, one of the th- first things I did the day after is I, I sort of taken myself off social media for a while because I was getting a bit swamped in the quiet, the understandable almost, you know, depression and hand-wringing and, and crankiness of people. Um, I, I was getting a bit worried and some of it was you know, talking about how, you know, how uh, sort of, you know, personally attacking other Australians who, who who cast a vote and they did their, you know, that was their democratic right to do so. Mm. I don't, you know, begrudge them for doing that. Obviously, that as, as as progressives, we didn't make that case strongly enough and we have to sort of own that. But it is, I'm not, I'm, I'm weaving around a point. I think my point is, is you need to also, you know, take heart in yourself as an advocate. Um, don't get too down in the dumps about a result that's not great. At. You know, the, the definition of advocacy is that, you know, you're probably never, you should never be satisfied, even if, you know, Labor had, you know, the, the Labor had won the election on a campaign of free universal right. access. That would have to... been just as terrible <laughs> in another way. Well, possibly, well, maybe, yes. But, you know, if, they, if they'd said, you know, if, if they went to, you know, with everything I wanted, which was, you know, out of a current early education system, which is universal access for everyone and, and no ability to make profit, you know, my response to that would be, yay, that's great, and I might spend a day celebrating, but then I'd be going, okay, here are my next set of demands. So yeah. part of being an advocate yeah. is you always want to be pushing for, you know, what's the next thing we can win for for children? Because the other the other lesson I think about advocacy, and this is a really important lesson I think I learned through the Jobs of Families one, is it's not about us. So we need to the, – the, the loss isn't for us as advocates. The loss is for, you know, the one in four children who will remain locked out of the system, mm. uh, for, you know, for uh, families who, who find the system too complex, for Indigenous children who are accessing through the BBL. Like that, that's who the loss is about. So I think we can give ourselves a brief period of time where we're sad and upset, but then we need to focus and we need to um, you know, pull ourselves out of there and, and remember that there's still fights to be had and that we're still lucky to live in a country where uh, you know, power does change democratically and that we do have a social safety net. Thank you, you know, Bob Hawke, obviously, who passed away a little while. We have things like Medicare that even if the things aren't where I want them, um, you know, it's not the end of the world and we don't need to eliminate entire states from the Commonwealth or all suddenly move to New Zealand. Oh, come on. I wanted both of those things. I know. It's, it, it is fun not. to say and I get it. It's therapeutic to say, but, you know, but, but that doesn't really solve any problems. Yeah, I like I like what you're saying, Liam. I think you're spot on. Liam, I have noticed in social media over the last few days that I'm getting a million times more negative comments on my posts than I got before the election and it's like an absolute shock to me at how many more negative quote comments there are yeah yeah well I've I've got a recommendation for you Lisa which is taking a break but but hasn't there just been negativity all around like I think I hear what you're saying but then likewise for those that might think differently to you Lisa they're probably getting negative comments as well like I just think that it is Uh, No, I'm not reading it like that. I'm reading it that a lot of people that wouldn't have necessarily commented on posts from someone like me are now feeling a bit bolder about, you know, complaining about feminism and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, yes, I do understand that. 
I could recommend maybe a break. Em- maybe some research on that. I think we need to do some empirical yeah. research on those social media comments. <laughs> but I do, I do hear what you're saying. Yeah. Well, Lisa, I might. Oh, listen. Sorry. sorry, can I just interrupt? This just came across my social media fail feed. Feed. I must say, Lisa's latest article that I did for the Framework Liam's publication, and the hundredth episode of the Early Education Show have really helped to clarify things for me. Even I didn't realise just how many campaigns were out there. <laughs> oh, there okay. you go. So, Live reviews. As so right. the podcast does nice things for some yeah. people. <laughs> well, you're forgiven for trawling social media while we're actually recording an episode, Lisa, if you're yeah, bringing us nice, correct. positive <laughs> things. So <laughs> you're lucky. You're lucky it was positive. But, so, Lisa, I'm going to make you focus now because I have a question for you. So you've got to hit X on the tab. Okay. Um, yep. So okay. knowing what we know, which isn't a huge amount, and there are obviously a lot of unknowns about the next three years, so what do you think we should focus on for the next? three years um look i i think we need to simplify the ask i'll I'll never forget um uh, probably about 10 years now maybe even longer um i was in a i went into a, a meeting with a trade union and um some of their early education people and their general secretary. And their general secretary... You lost that third runway, though, did you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry about the planes I mean. Um, their general secretary really wasn't that interested in early education and care at that time. I'm not saying which union it was, but, you know, he really wasn't, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that interested at all. But he wanted to know that the person that the the union officers had chosen to help run their campaign, i.e. me, actually had it together. And he said, I'll oh, just cut to the chase. What's your ask? And I very quickly summarised what the campaign ask would be, which is, you know, what you're actually going for, what you're asking the government to give you. And luckily I had thought about it and had it really clear in words and he just put up his hand halfway through and said, okay, fine, and walked out. And I'm going, oh, God, was I that bad? Did he really hate me? And everyone went, oh, no, he loves you. That means you got the gig. It's fine. And I've always remembered that because it kind of taught me how important that the ask actually is that it needs to be something that everyone can say really clearly in a few words. And, what you know, I've said a lot of words recently about the number of campaigns that there was in this, in this sector and the number of words used to describe what they wanted. And maybe you could summarise some of them down to, you know, um, we want preschool for three years and four-year-olds or, you know, we want a modified activity test, et cetera. But I just think our ask needs to be really clear, which is we need, you know, uh, free early childhood education and care for as many hours as the family wants. Hmm. From birth. Sounds simple. Yeah. Sounds simple. Yeah, I like it. Do you think, and and do you think that that's something that can happen, Lisa? Can we get people, you know, agreed around a single ask? Knowing this sector, no. (laughs) (laughs) But wouldn't it be nice if it, you know, like you'd have it in better words than that. It's the same, like I have the same feeling about service philosophies, you know. Give me a two-page or a one-page service philosophy and I'm dying inside. 
because the service philosophy needs to be something that everybody, and Leanne taught me this, everybody in the organisation can get behind and can, can say what it is, you know? So that that campaign ask needs to be something that everyone in the education and care sector says, oh, yes, well, when we get free preschool for all, we'll have really won. Or when we get free early education and care from birth for all families, then we've won. You know, so... So Lisa, it was can like I... that for one to four campaign, wasn't it? It was so easy to see when that had been won because it was a new yeah. law that said one, you know, the ratio had changed. You're listening to the Early Education Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more about this episode and all of the previous episodes at earlyeducationshow.com. Lisa, can I pick you up on a point you made in the article for the, the framework? Um, you, you'd sort of made the point that one of the, the probably the uh, takeaways from the election campaign was that educators maybe don't have a huge, um, the, the, the campaign asks or the advocacy hasn't effectively trickled down to centres and, and educators. What, what do you think we need to do in that space? How can we get more educators knowing more about um, I guess that you know either either a combined campaign, if that was the goal, or even just the campaigns that are out there. I think it comes down to having that simple slogan. I think it comes down to having volunteers who, you know, it's like a pyramid structure, you know, but a reverse pyramid. So you just have, you know, a whole heap of educators who take on the role of talking to other educators. Um, I think you you know, like start to pitch it at the level that it's needed, not with pages and pages of information, but just really clear infographics, etc. You know, you just, you need it, you need it to just become something that's taught in our, our training courses, in our universities. You need it, you need to look at it as a long-term thing. You need to just be prepared to explain in very simple terms to people that this is what's needed. I like it. Well, Leanne, I've, we say the last, the trickiest question for you because you're the smartest cookie around the, uh, the imaginary (laughs) podcast table we had. So I, I, tried to come up with that five different ways of wording this question but I, I, I couldn't come up with a good one but let's you know it, it, so this is you know look Australian politics is quite uh, dynamic and fluid but generally most terms last for three years even if we do knock off a prime minister or two during that time so the next federal election campaign is likely to be in three years time in 2022 where do you think the sector needs to be sort of positioned or where does the sector need to be at, going into that election campaign to have better success than we had I guess in this year in 2019. Does that question make any sense? I don't. Know. I couldn't think. I couldn't think of a different um, way to word. Yeah. I, when when um, you posed that question on on the run sheet, um, I was thinking about it, and then suddenly into my inbox came um, this policy paper, which was from the T20. Is he, have you heard of the T20? This Cricket is the tournament. Think, the, no, it's the Think 20, which is the research and policy advice network for the G20. Oh, right. Yeah, I know, right? And they had it in Japan in March. 
And so the policy paper that came in was from the T20, um, Matthias Urban, who's kind of like a super brain in early childhood. And I think he sort of put it more clearly than than uh, any way that I could put it together, which was to unite around three key things, which I think, you know, embody the things that you both you and Lisa are saying. Um, I thought there were some interesting things in there and we might put the paper up on the website because I think it would be interesting for people to read, you know, moving away from um, curriculum and things like that that was not culturally set within the country that it was developed. So there's some really interesting things in it that to think about. But the three things that they came to, which I think we could unify ourselves around in this country, would be this continued commitment to access and meaningful participation for children in early childhood, commitment to whole systems approaches, which is integrated developing, improving, resourcing and governing early childhood programs so that the, the structure is there to support it and the sort of things that we were talking about in the 100th podcast of getting things into law. And then reconceptualising early childhood development so that it's about um, society and civil society and collective responsibility, exactly what Jane was speaking about in her um, message to Lisa. So reframing early childhood, and I think they're the, you know, when that came in, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get our heads around and, and get all of us around these three things and then everything that we went for, which was in simple terms, as Lisa directed us to, was framed around that. I don't think I heard um, uh, marketplace childcare in there. But anyway, I'm just <laughs> that, that they're, the, they're the three things to, to get ourselves around. So do you think, Leanne, so that, maybe that there needs to be an actual process, and particularly given we're at the start of a three-year term now, um, which will, you know, probably go quicker than we think. Is do we actually need to be having a formal process of bringing, you know, stakeholders together to, to do something like, you know, a T twenty for for early childhood, where there's a period of time where things are developed, and then we spend two years campaigning on it. I th I think that would be fantastic, Liam. But inevitably, with these things, I think that there there are some of the great people left out of these conversations, and the and I think that. Some of the great people that are left out of the conversations are the people who are the who are doing the everyday work in early childhood education. They're often the the people they're the people with the best ideas and with the biggest picture of what needs to happen, and they're often left out of those big conversations. So personally, I would love to see something where there was this big, you know big approach where there was a it was started in a giant funnel and it came to a you know a small a small message um taking into account all of those perspectives but yeah i i think that that's that's a very good idea shall we do it for the early education show i think that'd be great it's a wonderful <laughs> idea a podcast theme a podcast uh, we could live we could live stream it through a podcast thing. that'd be wonderful yeah but i but i just feel that you know it becomes those gatherings become very political um, and I'm talking about broad politics because I think we need that. I mean, political within the sector and people are in and out. Um, and I think if we really want to have full thinking, we need we need good facilitation of all of the ideas and all of the thinking in the sector to bring it to these very clear messages, probably around those three points that I mentioned. Wonderful. Well, I think we've given you know some some things for people to think about. I think I, I guess you know maybe to summarise, I think our takeaway message is um, 
you know there we, we we there needs to be a very considered approach to 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 advocacy over the next three years because we do i i really enjoyed your point there leanne which was around that we kind of we do know at least what we're getting with this government we know who's there we know what the roadblocks are going to be so we can either you know be hand-wringing about it or and complaining we can go well that that that's the facts so we need to then work around that and work it in ways that that, that acknowledges the, the facts we're facing but um you know is there any i guess final advice for for, for, for advocates out there one of the things i think um and I, i've sent this in an email to you to, to you two today it's kind of, but i think you know i kind of feel like our listeners are our confidants now particularly now we've done a live show we've, i've seen we've actually you know seen in front of people one of the things um i've been thinking about is how we can use the podcast you know better to um to talk more specifically about advocacy and politics and, and, and policy and and so i think you know that i think we'll be having that discussion among the three of us but is is, is that the kind of big takeaway lesson i think we need to say is that we just need to we need to learn more and then fight better. Hmm. I, I think we need to listen in all all areas. I think we need to listen and really understand what's going on, both in in politics, in government, across the sector. Uh, yeah, use yeah. our listening pedagogy more. Yeah. Pedagogy listening. Hey, I'll be happy if over the next three years, Le- <laughs> Leanne just learned Lisa learns how to use the mute button. I was thinking that cough button. Sorry. She's not using it. <laughs> I like how she mentioned it in the live show. Like she's a really great user of the mute button when she's the worst user of the mute button out of the three of us. <laughs> just turned it back on again so I can say I'm not that bad. You just don't notice when I've got it on because I've muted so much of it. <laughs> well, look, if we can still laugh and tease Lisa, things cannot be that bad. That's, oh, I think no. actually I've changed my mind. That's the takeaway message of, uh, of this episode. As long as we can continue to laugh. Stick with your friends, have a good laugh and find someone to tease. Exactly. It's a three-point plan. I'm glad glad that I'm doing the world a favour. It's a service. It's a service. We're very grateful. We can't leave this episode without me giving you my fun facts on Prime Ministers. You did, Leanne. I didn't have a good segue to it, but please. Oh, thank you. It's not really that exciting, but I was trying to work out what the odds are of of Scott Morrison being um, Prime Minister coming to this role so I just had a sort of quick peruse of all of the um, all of the prime ministers over the years and over the years it was very interesting of course and over the years it was um, that we had we've had 13 Labor prime ministers and 15 Liberal prime ministers and then there's a whole bunch that are like from parties like protectionists you know in the early days free trade and the prime ministers changed about every one or two years in the first years of Australia a bit like what's been happening until now and so there was that direct Dutton I'll have a go at, at Morrison oh I don't know I did, that didn't come out of my fun facts, maybe. Yes, but sorry. <laughs> no, no, because there's 14 New South Wales PMs, 11 Victorian, five Queenslanders, one Tasmanian, one Western Australian. The longest serving was Menzies, as we know. The shortest was Ford with just one week. That's cool, That's isn't it? You just get one week in the job and then you um, get your, uh, you know, your pension. Yeah. So... The greatest odds that you can have to be prime minister are that you are man, you are a man because obviously there's only been one woman, that you are from New South Wales, and that you are a liberal. So I think we got what the odds showed us we usually get. We should have known all along. Hmm. 
There you go. Hmm. Well, this has been Leanne's Prime Minister Fun Fact Corner. So thank you very much. I hope. <laughs> I, can this be a regular feature now from Leanne? Can you just have a new fun fact each fortnight from now on? I just think it's fascinating about the history of... Anyway, that's okay. <laughs> I'll oh. find another fun fact. Oh, please, thank I can't wait. Much. But um, that's a. We hope that discussion has been been uh, informative and enjoyable. Uh, well, so we'll obviously be back next fortnight with our with our main topic. Um, we're going to finish off the episode today. Um, we had uh, just due to uh, this is so boring background information. I know no one listening cares about, but we 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 planned to do episode 100 before our live episode at ELAA. Um, we just had huge amounts of trouble uh, getting the three of us to find time to to come together and record, which is uh, evidence that we do need to move to fortnightly. Uh, so the episode. 100 became the the live show and it was quite long already we didn't want to add um the the the, the wonderful listener feedback we received where we put out the call to say can you send us a, an audio recording of yourself uh sort of joining us in the party to celebrate episode 100 so we're going to now add them to this episode uh 101 which uh, you know i hope is still okay so thank you to everyone who sent them sent mm-hmm. them in uh particularly uh dr red ruby scarlet who who had a a recital of her her ode to us in the very early days of the podcast she wrote she wrote a wonderful ode to the podcast on our reviews page and she's given uh you know a dramatic uh performance uh recital of it so we're very very honored to be to be i guess debuting that in it's uh that's in, very special isn't very it very special but thank you that's so much special. to everyone who who sent something thank in you our, listeners thank you listeners and, and they, so thank nice. you for continuing yeah. to listen as well so uh mm. we'll be saying goodbye and then uh once we've said goodbye if you stick around for you'll be hearing those lovely messages from that wonderful community of people who who enjoy the show we're so grateful to you all so until we're back in a fortnight's time it's goodbye from me And from me. And from me. Hello, guys. Melinda here from uh, Clunes on the north coast of New South Wales. Congratulations on the 100th episode. Always fun. Never boring, always right on point. Thank you for keeping me in the loop on my morning commutes and keep up the great work. Hello, my name is Christy. I have been working in early childhood for 19 years. I'm not currently based in the centre, but I do have an early childhood related role. Um, I listen to the podcast regularly. Um, it's definitely one way for me to keep in touch with the sec- to the um, with the sector because not directly working in that sometimes you you know can become out of a loop with the forefront of what's happening. Um, for me, it's really insightful to hear some really strong advocates for early childhood, such as Liam and uh, Lisa and Leanne and. Um, yeah, it kind of just keeps you grounded as far as what, well, what my own particular beliefs in early childhood are um, on the lead up to the election as well, which is most important because, you know, we can, we've often see that often it's children's voices that get uh, left far behind depending on which political party that you vote for. So it's a, just a really good way to kind of check in with, um, you know, what what most early childhood advocates believe in.
Dear Lisa, Leanne and Liam, thank you so much for all the hard work that you put in this show. I'm a big fan from day one. I couldn't believe that I actually found a show that explains all the issues in early childhood education and and, uh, raises a lot of issues with advocacy. Your interviews with people who are important for our industry are amazing. So as other things you discuss in your show, it's always funny, um, a little bit with a... um, tongue in a cheek uh, show so I enjoy listening to it while I'm um, on my way to work to teach early childhood education and care Um, I teach uh, at all levels so it's really diploma and um, bachelor Um, so um, from my point of view I would like to hear more uh, from um, the industry uh, people and experts on how we can improve training and how we can prepare uh, early childhood um, pre-service educators and teachers to work in the industry. So these kind of topics will be great to discuss in the future after you hit your 100. Yay! Hi, my name's Gay Lindsay. I'm a lecturer in the early years degree at the University of Wollongong. I love the early education show because I listen to it on my way to work and it keeps me up to date, it keeps me informed It means that I'm sharing with the next generation of early childhood teachers the way to focus on quality and to advocate for quality. So keep it up, guys. Love it. Hi, Lisa, Leanne and Liam and all the podcast listeners. Happy 100th episode. My name is Victoria and I wanted to say a huge thank you for creating these podcasts for us every week. The podcasts and the Exploring the NQS series are such wonderful professional development resources for me and to have them so easily accessible is fantastic. What I love about the podcasts is the diversity in the content and the different perspectives that you each bring uh, with expertise in your respective areas of the sector. It's really great to hear about topics that aren't always so openly acknowledged or discussed in day-to-day work in centres, and it really helps to validate the beliefs and convictions that I have around my practice and reassure me that I'm heading in the right direction despite the many challenges that I face in my work. I've also loved the political topics in the podcast. This will be my first year voting after having avoided it for a few years because I didn't really have a clue about politics or an interest, but since the podcasts and the framework articles um, that are released, I've realised that it all ties into advocacy and activism for young children, and we have an obligation to fight for children's rights to nothing but the best in early years. So I will be voting this year. Thanks again, guys, and I'm really looking forward to many more of these amazing podcasts. The Early Education Show episode, sounded by Red Ruby Scarlet. Three L's chatting away, debunking mythology, hypocrisy, hyperbole, rorts and such. I love this show so much, I'll even spell it so. Stitched to children's rights, the presenters might change the views of listeners, hearing seen said profession, where early childhood expressions of self-identity can reign on a parade. Pride of lionesses, but one who says what can be done by men, and then by women too, even the odd genderqueer may hear there thou art too. 
Policy savants, graphs and preferred fonts texture sounds, found in said show. Though talking to us in your collective chatty buzz draws us in. Joyful juggernauts, exquisitely exercise positions on early childhood wisdom, wise. Reaching far and wide, too, too, too wide. Sliding in politics beside every chatter about stuff that matters to change wide-ranging earrings. Hearing how? Now. Children are the subject of society, yet so blithely discounted in what amounted to ceasing funds. Dear government, that was dumb. When serious expertise lives and breathes in ECE centres and services equally. To the links below... I bestow my thanks for reminders of policy and research that sanctions my profession when it is constantly in question of its integrity. Gee. I look forward to episode four. I know I'll be more informed. Sign up, twixt tweets, and indulge in the sweet Facebook treats where sturdy discussion may transpire. Lisa, Leanne and Liam, yous are on fire. Happy 100th. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Liam McNicholas and produced by Liam McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com and while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyeduShow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username EarlyEduShow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.